Sport. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff and sitting socially distanced across the table from EPJ Conrad. It has been forever since you and I have been in the same studio, let alone to be able to do the Fontenelle Final Bell together. So thanks for taking some time in your schedule to come join us because there's a lot of things to talk about on a pretty decent market type of uh, Thursday. Susan, I don't come in and I don't uh, do the show unless there's up markets because I don't like to spread <laughs> bad news. <laughs> that works. Well, we are going to talk about the market rally we saw today. Also, the crop issues that are coming out of Iowa as we continue to get more and more details. How much is that going to be factored in? We have the China meeting taking place this weekend. The WASDE report yesterday. And then let's just throw in a pro farmer crop tour next week. So it's going to be a very busy couple more market days. But first of all, this rally we saw in the grains. You know, it's good to see, honestly, yesterday that report, that's you know kind of reverse, uh, reversed the last, you know, 26 hours. And that report came out and, and the numbers, I would say, were bearish. I mean, you can't slice a 2.7 billion bushel carry out and call that bullish by any means. And adding that much to beans, you can't call that bullish either. But what you can say is when the FSA came out and had their numbers of where a prevent plant was, and I don't have the exact numbers of, of total prevent plant. I want to say in the ballpark of nine million, which comparatively speaking to 2018 was about a three times larger number. I want to say, give or take, mm-hmm. um, double to three times. But anyways, the the numbers aren't huge. But here's the deal: uh, FSA offices were late this year. You know, and anytime you see ranges of between a couple different RJ O'Brien and Egg Resource said, you know, there here's where some numbers could be how much are corn acres overstated. Well, they're thinking maybe corn acres one point five million to four million. Uh soybean acres one million to three million. Well I think everybody and I've heard anywhere from up to six million acres on the corn. That being said, everybody wants to take the highest number, take it times one eighty one and say, well that's, you know, 500 million bushels, that's 600 million bushels, whatever the number is. The, uh, there's no doubt, and I think every farmer can attest to this, the FSA offices have been slow this year. I mean, there's still some offices, we're waiting on crop insurance stuff, and it's within days of having to have this in. And that is so uncommon. Um, so that's very, that's the hard part, is where does the silver, where where really is this at? Mm-hmm. And, and we fought this acre deal last year, and now... Again, this year, all of a sudden, we don't know where everything's at. And you'd think in the 2020 world, as much technology as we have, we could definitely have this all figured out. But it does add uncertainty to the marketplace until October because that will be the next time they really revisit these acre numbers. And then, of course, you look at the happenings of what's been happening with Iowa, even some of the damage that was seen in areas of uh, Nebraska, South Dakota, over into the eyes, but not as bad as what Iowa saw. No, obviously Iowa got a very large swath of area, got beat down pretty bad. Now, is that all zero? Is that some of that 100 or some of that 50? Is it, I, you know, these are questions that we're not going to know. And the crop tour is going to definitely bring some light to that situation, but it's not going to be a perfect number either because it's just never, you're never going to hit all those acres. You look on a satellite, you know, you could argue anywhere from, you know, I've, seen estimates of people saying it's 100 million and other estimates saying it's 600 million again there's so many unknowns so it adds maybe the volatility of the markets up a little bit higher 
between now and the combines rolling, which is obviously good. Maybe we keep adding some premium into this. Not to mention Iowa's dry coming into that weather event and what's that all look like. It just seems like this year has been a year that we've we got the crop planted decently, but then since then it's kind of been blinders on outside of two week or five days realistically in July. The markets assume this is a perfect crop. And maybe, you know, maybe we've seen, I think trade kind of things, maybe we've seen the biggest number printed we're going to see between the Iowa situation and now this prevent plant deal. You could probably play a scenario where you shave a, shave a billion bushels off and you get down to 1.7. You can play a scenario where you shave 200 million bushels off and you get down to 2.5. Nobody knows that today, so to expect a, a rip-your-face-off rally right now into 4 bucks is it, we got to have something else going on, whether it be demand-wise or whatever. Could that happen in October if the perfect scenario plays out and acres are that short and Iowa's localized very bad and it's a big local area? So definitely not something to talk lightly about. But at the same time, is that really more than uh, how big a percentage is that of the crop? And really, what's that do? Because most storms in history, and I think that's where trade's at, historically speaking, a big storm doesn't end up being uh, that big a deal in the market. In my memory, and my talking to people, who never really reacts to a weather event like that that's not a drought. So So why did the market, and why are we seeing the reaction that we're seeing? Because Is it because we have a drought and massive crop damage going on? I think the crop damage is huge. I do think that's a part of it. Because there is anytime you get the, you know the the what USDA or the Iowa Agriculture Department saying mm-hmm. it's ten million acres, people are going to take notice. But I really think the prevent plant numbers. I'm not knowing. Hey, are we actually overstating corn acres by three million? I mean, that's five hundred million bushels, give or take. Uh, same with soybeans. You th- couple those two things together, and the fact that. Our demand's been pretty good on, very good on beans, really, and we're still the cheapest bean out there. We've stayed in these same ranges. You know, beans are up against the 200-day moving average again. We haven't broke through that since late January. Tomorrow's a big day, really. I mean, from market movement standpoint, it's going to be a big day, and there's some technical levels we need to look at going into the weekend for sure. All right, well, stick around, folks. We come back. We are going to continue to talk about uh, what's been happening. We have a Pro Farmer Crump Tour next week. It's going to have a different spin. It's a lot of virtual going on, but they are going to have folks out there in the fields checking things out. We'll talk more about how or if the market's really going to react to that. Export numbers as well as a look of the mixed type of trade we saw in the livestock. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fun Now Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue the conversation with PJ Conrad here in Lincoln at the Innovation Campus in our Nebraska Soybean Board Studios. So we have a pro farmer crop tour and I know a farm broadcaster from Iowa that is taking care of the western leg of it um, from a virtual perspective. But it's going to be so different this year because they're not going to have as many people out in the field. And if they are, they're only teams of one and two versus, you know, two to four. So data coming in and information could be a little slower, I'm sure. You know, it, it probably will be. I'm, I've am i done the crop tour once. I didn't do the entire thing. I did half the, half the western half. Um, 
it might actually, in some respects, maybe go a little bit quicker. It depends on how many people they have. I know mm-hmm. of a, as of like two or three weeks ago, they were still looking for more members to come on or more people to come on and do it with them. If they're short people, those are long days when you have a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, as I see data, maybe coming a little bit slower. I do think there's one takeaway. I do think having these, uh, where they're going to do them as Zoom meetings and they're going to be broadcast to everybody is going to be highly beneficial because before you're always kind of, if you weren't there, you're always looking on Twitter or texting somebody who was there, wanting to know the outcomes, wanting to know the outcomes. Right. Well, now, uh, you know, like I've had a few clients tell me we're going to have a fun week and we're going to have a, you know, quote unquote parties at our shop and we're going to throw a TV up and see what's going on every night. So having said that, what could we possibly see the markets do or how do we prepare for what the markets could be next week, knowing how volatile this information is going to be? And every year, it seems like uh, we got another story of why it's more heightened, right? I mean, I think the first day, and I, I don't know if off the top of my head where the eastern leg starts at. I know the western will start in South Dakota and work their way down through Nebraska. Yes, there are some very dry spots in northeast Nebraska. Uh, not going to discount that. By and large, probably they're going to see a pretty decent crop. Um, as they move into the second day in the western leg anyways, again, you're going to see some green snap, but... It's Nebraska, you always see green snap. And yeah, there's areas that are worse than others, don't get me wrong, but there's always some bad areas. I think really the interesting day to me is going to be day three, um, and that's where the western leg will go through western Iowa. Yeah. And and I believe that's also when the eastern leg starts hitting through eastern Iowa. So day three, next Wednesday, could be a very interesting day to know, hey, how many... They're going to get the first really feet on the ground look at how much is down uh, you know, we can draw maps all day long, and and on our, our Trados Twitter account, we tried to draw that as close as possible, and and use some good math, and say, you know, half these acres are corn. Uh, maybe there's a average of a seventy percent break or fifty percent break, and it's easy to come up with four hundred million acres or four hundred million bushels of corn. The crop tours didn't give us that first good look, and so that's what's going to be fun. You know, how you position yourself for it? I think you got to do something on this rally here because. Historically speaking, in the next 45 days, we're going to put the low on the corn market. And so maybe this year is a year that we see an unseasonal rally. I don't know. But if you can go spend a dime and protect 340, which sounds – everyone's perception of 340 is bad until we're at 320 again. And my thought is let's try to at least protect the rallies and have the have the upside to say if it does go to 370, 380, we're in position to – capitalize on those moves so that's the biggest thing i think in beans where they're at nine dollars has really been a hard line in the sand and so to not do something here would seem foolish especially with the numbers they just printed here uh, yesterday with the higher bean carry out and really good august weather for beans we need to we got gaps in the corn market they'd be roughly 344 in the d's it would perceive usually when you start rallying that we're going to try to close those gaps, but if that happens this week or next, I have no idea. Um, the next thing is if you get a spark more fund, you know, buying into it, I think you got to see us close, you know, kind of the June highs and really get above that. And so there's some hurdles that to be had of us getting above 350. And I just don't know unless the crop tour unearths enough stuff and says this is a lot more widespread and not just have the satellite images, that's going to be the thing. Uh, maybe that's the spark that keeps us moving higher. After that, the prevent plant numbers out there, we don't know what that actually looks like, and nobody knows 
how that's going to look, and, and the USDA holds the candle on that until we get to October. So here we are again, another year, another day of uh, watching USDA reports. So Very much so. Let's quickly jump over fast to the livestock side. Cattle market saw a mixed type of trade today. Definitely. The, the one thing, just broadly speaking, about the cattle market, we've had good cash trade, and also you look at a chart on the cattle market, has been very supportive, higher highs, lower or higher lows, and higher highs. So you look at that and you think, uh, you know, just thinking of Oct cattle, we got a gap in the chart there at 112, and we got one at 115. Those are perceived to be levels that need to be filled at some point in selling opportunities. So that's what I'm targeting for our cattle guys. Is let's try to get something done there, and you know, hopefully grains keep rallying and cattle can keep rallying. And we can turn 2020 into a little bit better year and maybe get some football too. There you go. What's the best way for folks to reach you? You can call us at 402-858-7529 or reach out to us on any social media platform at TradeOS LLC. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Remember, trading futures involves a risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.